P-Teacher is a weekly podcast for healthcare professionals who deliver grassroots diabetes care and education to people with diabetes across the healthcare system. Hello everyone, I'm Kiralee Chambers, Advanced Practicing Pharmacist and Credentialed Diabetes Educator. And hi from me, it's Jane Lehman here, Registered Nurse and Credentialed Diabetes Educator as well, Kiralee. Hi Jane. We've got our first visitor. Visitor, that's a good word. Eliza lives with type 1 diabetes and recently went for a bit of a stroll from southern Italy to northern Scotland for a total of 4,270 kilometres. Welcome Eliza. Thank you both for having me. Hi Eliza. Hello. What a stroll. Certainly was a bit, bit of an amazing adventure as well. That all would call it overachieving I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah maybe crazy. Yeah that's, yeah. That's what I mean me. your previous stroll was what from Adelaide to Melbourne and how many k's was that was 800 kilometers nothing but a walk in the park no but i had plenty more challenges i think that one when you were doing the first one you had lots of problems with your legs yeah i had a lot of injuries so i tore basically every tendon in my feet and ankles i had stress fractures in my feet blisters that got really badly infected Mm. uh, because of i had really high blood sugars throughout the whole the whole journey because so much stress on my body and the injuries Mm. i couldn't get my blood sugars below about 20 so naturally you'd do it again first i want to ask you why did you do the first one since i was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of nine i always wanted to do what i can to raise money and awareness as well as just prove to people that diabetes wasn't going to stop me i think that's a major factor and something that it hasn't it's never stopped me if anything it's pushed me to do more it sure has because i know you from when you were first diagnosed yeah so i went to primary school with jane's daughter beck And so I have been very fortunate to be, for example, at your first netball match after you were diagnosed, which was while you were still in hospital. Yes, I went to the GP because I asked for a quarter off in my netball match. So you, (laughs) I reckon it was the one after that because I think you'd already been diagnosed because I was sitting next to your mum and I was going through in my head what I would need to do if anything happened. I can always remember it. And so when I started seeing the photos of you in that little hospital bed with Rufus, when you were promoting what you were doing with your fundraising drives with both the first walk and now the second walk, that is how I remember you. Yes, I was very, very small. I think I weighed about 22 kilos back then. Yeah, you were. But yeah, it's been a massive journey ever since. It certainly didn't stop you even getting out for your netball game straight after diagnosis, but it also has pushed you on to achieve this new unbelievable achievement. Kiralee. Hello. You have type 1 diabetes as well. Yes. Why weren't you doing this? Um, because I don't think I could, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive achievement that I don't think everyone, even without diabetes, can no. achieve. So it's quite amazing. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Okay, so Eliza, Jane has, as usual, gone off a little bit off track. So let's just talk a little bit about you before diabetes or without diabetes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I currently work as a registered nurse. I yep. wanted to be a registered nurse since day one of being diagnosed. I wanted to be a diabetes educator, which I've gone on to do my training, but I currently work in mental health, yeah. which is something else I'm really passionate about. I think growing up with a chronic illness, you learn that mental illness is a big thing and something that's really important. I currently also play a lot of sport. That's my main passion. Work is the background to that to make sure I can afford to do that and travel, travel with my sport as well. So I play a lot of cricket and a lot of golf. I like to challenge myself in many ways and I like to get out and about and be in the outdoors. Excellent. So you sound fit and healthy. 
Which is interesting, isn't it? Because the comments that we often hear is that diabetes is such a hidden disease and we don't yeah. see it that often. But you're kind of the epitome of health and wellness, which is really a credit. Mm. Yeah, I think, and that's another thing diabetes gave me was that passion to perform at a high level and to do as well as I can in those sports and areas of life. So another positive if there are any of diabetes. It's certainly a challenge and I wouldn't wish it on it, my worst enemy. It's mm. a terrible illness that at times is really frustrating, but it's something that I've lived with and I'm still living a mm. very healthy life. So let's move forward to the walk. You set off from southern Italy? Yes, down on the boot of Italy. So what was the town that you started off in? So I started in a small town called Brindisi, which is sort of on the heel of the boot. I mainly chose that area because there was an airport and I could fly into it and it was the most southern place I could get to really. Wow, that's a good choice. Well, you couldn't walk there. No, I did, I did fly there. <laughs> when you started, like, did you start with anyone around or did you just like rock up and just start on one point and think, oh, right, okay, step one. Yeah, that was basically it. So I flew into Brindisi on a Sunday night, turned up to my hotel, no one was there to greet me, the place was closed and the guy that owned it was at a party somewhere. <laughs> So that was my first challenge. Straight, Welcome straight from to Europe. Europe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning I just took straight off, started walking. So how many days did it take you to do the whole walk? It's 177 days in total. Any rest days in that? There were. So I had, for the first 100 days, I think I had two days off. Wow. It was only meant to be one, but I walked a little bit further each day, <clears throat> so I got a second day. Yeah. And then when I got to the UK had a few stops for the Ashes. I'm very passionate about my cricket, so I walked, walked via a few cricket matches along the way. I've had a theory about Eliza with this trip and that it was all built around a few bucket items that she's wanted to tick off. Yeah. I mean, sure, walking for 177 days might be one of those, but I suspect the Ashes, but also playing golf at certain golf courses that you did along the way as well might have been a feature definitely when i was planning this walk was originally across america and i had a few challenges organizing that but when i realized the ashes are on in <laughs> in england i thought why not, why not change it to across europe and <laughs> yeah. somehow it just was timed perfectly well you did because you got there i don't think you were late for any no i think i was ahead at all times she was good so i managed to get to three men's matches and one of the women's matches yeah and watched them win which they hadn't won since basically a month after i was diagnosed was the last time australia won in england so interestingly, Eliza, when I go away, I have suitcase upon suitcase upon suitcase of stuff for my diabetes supply. How do you manage to backpack? Because that's what you did, didn't you? You took one pack with you. How do you manage to collect enough supplies to manage your diabetes for 177 days and only carry that in one pack? Yes, it was a massive challenge. So I, before I started packing, I said I was going to take 15 kilograms over with me, which turned into 22. So 50% of my pack was diabetes supplies. Yep. And I had backup supplies. I had long-acting insulin in case my pump broke. I had a spare pump. I had insulin for six months yep. in my bag, which had to be kept in Freo cooler packs. Often there weren't fridges, yep. so I wasn't sure how well mm. my insulin was actually working at times. It was a nightmare, really. Yeah. L luckily, that supply sort of dwindled as I went along. Yeah. And as I got to the UK, I actually sent a lot of it home when my parents visited at the end of France and just thought that if 
there was a disaster, I had at least one backup yeah. and I'd deal with it in the UK. At least I could speak the language and I knew people in England with type one. So right. the pack was then a bit lighter as well, I imagine. No, unfortunately I then decided to get a few luxury items when uh, a few casual dresses to wear to the cricket. Well, and... that's what I did wonder. <laughs> I have to say that that question did cross my mind because I saw your pictures on Facebook and Insta and you always looked gorgeous. Yeah, well, for the first three and a half months, I had one change of clothes, one change of underwear. It wasn't very glamorous. And then <laughs> mum and dad brought over a couple of dresses that I could wear if I had days off, which was yeah. a lot nicer. But At least it was summer. And I had a hair straightener for the last couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> what a luxury. Yeah, I'm still... sorry, that's not a luxury for some people. <laughs> that's a necessity. Right yeah. up there with insulin pump therapy. Uh, well, if only you could buddy it off the insulin pump therapy. You know, I think there's actually a need for a few accessories to yes. go onto the pump. Yeah. You also didn't have continuous glucose monitoring, did you? I didn't, no. Unfortunately, it's just too expensive when I wasn't working. Mm. Um, I was using it before I left and it was amazing, but when I wasn't working or had no income for mm. six months, so affording to use it just wasn't, wasn't really an option. So given that, how many times did you show ketones during, um, the, during the walk? To be honest, I'm not good at checking for ketones, but I can generally feel them. There were times, I would say a fair few times, mm. that I'd then have to stop for a fair while. Yeah. Pumps kinking, and when I'm so exhausted and so dehydrated often, it would probably take me a little bit longer to test. And mm. I was testing quite regularly, but yeah, it just wasn't often. No. Um, there were challenges. There were times that it was really hot. My pump would fall out multiple times during mm. the day. And it was sometimes a dis- not a disaster. I never got to the point that I got really unwell. But stopping for even a few times a day and stopping for over an hour during a day when yeah. you're walking 10, often 13 hours a day, I was getting to places in pitch black. Mm. And did you meet some really interesting, supportive people along the way? I did. That was one of the highlights, I think, from meeting Airbnbs that had somehow Googled my name, probably seeing who this this random foreigner was that was coming to stay in. They probably thought you might be a bit dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> going through these tiny towns. Especially turning up with no shower and having walked for 12 and hours. no hair straightener. Exactly. So, and one change of clothes and one underwear. <laughs> I had some places then give me free accommodation or cook me a big Italian meal oh, when I lovely. got there, which was lovely. And then I met families that had type had kids with type 1 or were living with type 1 themselves so that was just an extra inspiration I think to go with it and it was great just knowing how similar and how different each country is with managing and the support they get for type 1. Yeah. Uh, wasn't there a mayor? Wasn't there there some kind of an award ceremony or something? Yeah so in a town called, oh, I'm not sure if I can pronounce it, but Aqua de Pente or some, something along those lines in Italy there was a mayor that had written out a certificate for me and thanked met me the morning before I left to thank me for going through their town and they've all welcomed me back and still in contact oh, how with amazing. Um, from a family with uh, from that town so it's that was an amazing experience that's gorgeous and I, I dare say too lots of people donated as you went along because that was the aim wasn't it what was your target that you were aiming for with this one and the last one sort of put together so my fundraising target for this one was 100,000. Yeah. And for my previous walk, it was 25,000. Wow. So I hit the 25,000 when I walked to Melbourne and I'm still on the way up, but I'm just over 76,000 at the moment. I guess it's good for us to give a plug just now, but we'll do it later. We'll also put a link to Eliza's website on my Ed Health website as well. Yeah. But 
If you do want to donate, Eliza Bartlett, jdrfwalk.com, and that's it. That's the website. Yeah, that's the website, and there's blogs and everything on there. So if you want lots of pictures too, lots from of pictures, the trip, and some great ones. Oh, you even had a golfing outfit. Yes, that was another thing when I got rid of some diabetes supplies. I I went and bought some golf shoes. <laughs> I did so. So that gives people a kind of a bit of an understanding of how much stuff people with diabetes have to carry. If you can fit golf shoes, a couple of dresses, a hair straightener, and a couple of other things, and that's still not taking up the room that the supplies are taking up. No, I still had three months worth of diabetes supplies in there. Yeah, and that was only probably lost three months worth at that stage. So, did you find you had to throw any of the insulin out? Uh, that seemed to not be working that well? No, I didn't find that I had any issues with the insulin, but I did get a fresh supply after three months when my parents came to visit. Oh, yeah. For, just to be, make sure so, it was all Oh, no, that working. was a good yeah. idea. Um, and I had, I managed to get connections with a few different people in Italy and France that if something did go wrong, they said they could access the insulin. Yeah. Um, same with in England. Yes, well, with social media and everything now, the world is so much smaller Smaller. for people with type 1 diabetes. I end up talking to people all the time all over the world on Twitter, especially, is quite amazing. And I know you were still having some social media (laughs) input uh, along the way as well. Definitely, and I've seen people get in really tough situations overseas and not know anyone and get a spare insulin pump for yeah it's amazing how small the world is and how you can find things when you're desperate Mm. we see that all the time people will say oh you know they've forgotten their insulin and flown into a city and someone's piped up and said i'll meet you at the airport what do you need yeah because that's the general community i think yeah help each other out yeah, it's a worldwide community, which is really positive for people who then want to go travelling. Mm. It certainly makes it a little bit easier if you feel like there's other people around. I think it's a safety net if your backup of your backups fail, mm. to have someone there that you know that at the end of the day might be able to bail you out of trouble. We don't mm. um, use it as the first safety net, but yeah. maybe as a backup of a backup. You said before that you don't check for ketones, but that you feel it. What happens? What makes you feel feel like you're producing ketones generally when i get ketones i start that nauseous so i go from being the high blood sugars of feeling really thirsty tired and then i get that real nausea yeah and start to feel a bit sick yeah and that's a pretty clear indicator i've got ketones mm. and another thing was just adding that extra glucometer because my current glucometer doesn't test for blood ketones um so that's just extra supplies to carry again yeah uh, i've yeah. never had serious DKA touch wood and I know it's a real risk and it could have been mm, over there mm. um, yeah it's just something that mm. I've probably got a bit slack with if anything <laughs> over the years but you didn't get into trouble at all did you as far as health were there any I mean nothing really held you back you were you didn't end up having to see a doctor or go to hospital or anything no my body somehow held together no significant injuries I pulled my groin day one but health wise I I bet that was a heart sink it was uh I was in a lot of pain for probably the first week especially because I know you were scared with your you'd done a lot to protect your legs yeah this time it was 
yeah, it was quite scary. Yeah. It was quite painful. And you Google it and it tells you to rest for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one one article on Google said don't don't run for three weeks. And oh. I said, well, I'm not I'm not running, so 40, no, you, 40 kilometres a day is fine yeah, to walk. <laughs> you were just like almost knee high in mud at yes. times as well. Yeah. Do tell us about the mud. It was insane, some of the weather and environmental things I went through from, so there were floodings uh, in Italy, which meant any mud or dirt was ended up being knee-high dirt. I had to cross rivers that had flooded, which normally they'd have a little path across, and they ended up being knee-high and quite fast flowing and almost knocking me over to walking through snow which I hadn't planned for there was not normally in the Alps in the Alps yeah so normally the snow on the path isn't isn't there at this at the time of year and that was so, so just tell us which countries you walked through so obviously Italy uh, all the way up and then through Switzerland so across the Swiss Alps through the great St Bernard Pass and from Switzerland I went into France and walked northern Across northern France and then England and Scotland. That's amazing. You got mm. to see lots of cows too. A lot mm. of cows. I became very fond of cows along the way. They just cows look are so lovely, their mm. big eyes. Yeah. And, I I would, mean, and they don't have to know English. And they would follow me and they, in different countries, they would behave differently. So I would uh, observe that and that was a highlight of each day. Did you get lonely at any point? Did you want to just sit down there and go, I can't do this at all anymore. I'm tired and I've had enough. I never had the thoughts of giving up. So that was lucky. I had thoughts of being quite lonely and I was exhausted. And there were days that I was super emotional for no different reason. I wasn't more tired one day to the next. It was just how my brain was working that day. And Sometimes in my tougher days were my best days. I was really determined, happy and inspired. And then I'd have a really easy day and just be an emotional wreck and be crying the whole day. Um, so, yeah, I felt lonely, but I had loads of things to listen to and I'd make friends with the cows and I had my Rufus Bear with me. <laughs> so I, we must explain the Rufus Bear because probably people that aren't diagnosed or have nothing to do with diabetes, when you're diagnosed with type 1 as a child, you get a Rufus bear, a little bear that kids get. And there's also a female bear now. I had the whole family. So when I was diagnosed, I got given a Rufus. And then I bought Ruby. There's Rufus Jr. And there was Rufy, which was the girl. (laughs) Rufy? Rufy, yeah. Um, I never got a Rufus bear. (gasps) Oh, no. Well, see, Eliza's much younger than me. And Daddy Ref didn't oh, exist. You wouldn't have either. 36 years ago. Oh, JDRF. No Rufus Bear. If, no any, if anyone's listening from JDRF <laughs> to I have our a spare podcast. One. <laughs> so you must tell us. Caroline, sorry, Kira, we need a hashtag. Caroline needs a Rufus. <laughs> um, Eliza was telling us before we started this podcast, uh, please tell us that you didn't take your original Rufus. No, I didn't. So my original was pretty special to me growing course, up. It, yeah. It was my little friend with diabetes and I didn't know that many other kids at the time with type 1, even though I did a lot of fundraising and things for JDRF. And I know my brother used to hide him from me and do all the things an older brother does. But, yeah, he was with me all the time. I'd take him to family events and everything. Mm. So I didn't really want to risk taking him on this big adventure, but I got a backup to to know that he was with me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Rufus certainly got photographed in lots of different places and I have to say he looked like he was having a pretty damn good time. <laughs> he he was having a tough time too. He fell in a few puddles of mud. I was going to say, I wonder if he got snowed on. He's, his head started on. to rip off <laughs> after a while so luckily mum came and it's sewed his head back on and gave him a bit of a wash. <laughs> so he was well looked after. Oh, he was probably sending messages home to original Rufus saying, you're lucky you're not coming. Danger's out here in the wilderness. Yeah, chased by wild dogs. Yeah, <laughs> this, this girl of yours just gets us doing crazy things. Stay home. Yeah, the original Rufus came when I walked to Melbourne though. Yeah, well so that was... He's done one. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough and I think it's good for stand-ins in the future. The other thing I was going to ask is what was the longest day? My longest day was I think 45 kilometres distance wise but I had longer days time wise so I might have been walking through the Alps and had a 38 kilometre day with me 13-14 hours to do. Mm. It just depends where accommodation was so mm. I often couldn't choose how long my day was going to be it was the next possible place to stay that night. So a few times you turned up at places where they either weren't expecting you or there was no accommodation or that sort of thing. What happened? A few times that happened in Italy. I would book accommodation, turn up and there was no signs of anyone, which was terrifying. Mm. Uh, I thought I'd be sleeping on the street a few times. Because that was early. That was early in the trip. Like I said, day one, that happened as well, but it happened a few other times and times at the next closest town was 10 kilometres away and there often wasn't reception and there was thunderstorms and it was awful. There was one time my phone was completely flat and I turned up to the place and I had to walk the last 10 kilometres without directions. Finally got there and there was no one there. And I searched the town for about three hours. No one spoke English. Oh, goodness. No one could help me even charge my phone, even though I had a charger. I just said, I just need a PowerPoint. Everyone's like, we don't understand. And then I found some young boys that were about 17 and sort of pleaded. I was like, do you speak English? And they're like, Romeo and Juliet. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, well, this Are they proposing? They helped me and they helped me charge my phone and they ended up, parents owned the hotel. Oh, how lucky. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just luck. There are uh, multiple times that I just had to walk an extra 10k. I yeah. may have got to the accommodation at 8 o'clock at night and it was already dark and the next best option was to walk for another two and a half hours to get somewhere to sleep. Wow. What was the latest you got in? Around the 10.30 at night and that was often without dinner or, or anything. Yeah. yeah. So how many hypos do you think you had? <laughs> oh, I should have counted. Just ca They came in waves so some days I'd have multiple then I wouldn't have any for almost a week. Mm. It was just impossible to predict because the days were so different. Mm. The food was so different. Injuries, illness, mm. every extreme, everything that can affect your blood sugars were different each day. It was just whatever happens, happens, and I'll deal with it as it comes. Mm. My concern was I wouldn't be able to carry the amount of glucose lollies in one bag that I would need for one day. <laughs> I became very good at stealing coffee sachets of sugar. So I yes. had a stack of coffee sachets. Oh, that's, yeah. Things like that as just extra. Because you don't only have diabetes either, do you? You have a celiac, do you? Still in the investigation stage. Oh. So I had a fair few symptoms before I went over and I decided I wasn't quite ready to cut out the gluten in Italy. Mm, especially in Italy. Yeah. So I made, I made up for probably the rest of my life of not eating gluten in Italy. And then in France I continued it and then I felt a bit sick. So I cut it out for the rest of the journey. Yeah. And I haven't really eaten much of it since. Have you felt better since that or not? Um, I have in a few ways, but I think my body's also 
still a bit exhausted and I've mm. had a few illnesses since I finished. Yes. I mean, it's also being able to build up those stores. That's what that's what would have worried... If I was your mum, I know your mum as well, um, I would have been worried about depleting the stores. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my body's had, had enough. <laughs> and I haven't had any breaks since I got back. I haven't had a single day. Well, no, myself. because you have to earn money as well. And to take that amount of time off is challenging because none of the money you raise is going to pay for the trip or anything. No. It's, it's all fundraising for JDRF to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. Yeah, so I um, self-funded everything. Would have yeah. cost me probably eighteen thousand mm. dollars approximately, and more than happy to do that. It was also mm. a once in a lifetime adventure mm. for me. But so for people to know that though, because um, sometimes if you're not clear, people aren't so sure. So certainly that's where the fundraising. You can be reassured that it is all going straight to JDRF. One thing I would be interested to know is if you could fund any type of research that was funded by JDRF from this money, what area of the potential cure would you like to see the money go to? At the moment, I'm passionate about the prevention side of things because my sister's got all the antibodies to get type 1. So she's just turned 30 this weekend and has been told 10 years ago that she's got 100% chance of getting type 1 at some point. So seeing prevention or a delay which is already there's great research out there at the moment I think that's something I'm quite passionate mm. about as much as I would love a cure instantly and love yeah. to live without it a prevention is going to be better for the long run for millions of people down the track yeah and the other thing is that when you came back you had a little person waiting to be I did so I had a when I got back my four-week-old niece who I've it was really tough being over there mm. not not seeing her born and and I've definitely made up for it since plenty of cuddles since I got back and that was your brother's little girl yes so we got to meet the baby girl at the bogan bingo <laughs> that we went to which you had a fundraiser for when you came back which is a way of welcoming menu back and so Kiralee and I got our inner bogan on and popped along as well so that was great because we got to see your mum as well and she was certainly relieved to have you yeah. home she says she's sleeping a lot better now yeah. I uh, was messaging her multiple times a day but and had my tracking on at all times but <laughs> yeah she's definitely a lot more comfortable now that I'm home so plans for the future I say this with probably great trepidation it, in case your mum's listening it's probably too early it I is I, I'd like to do something I don't think I want to do another walk I've done two now and I've had I don't like walking that's the funny thing I'm a walker <laughs> It's just something to challenge myself. So I did not expect you to say that in this interview at all. No, I'm yeah, not a big fan. I've never been a runner or a walker, so maybe I'll try something in a different area or a different challenge. Now you could hit a golf ball to somewhere. There is the longest golf course in the world, which is in Australia, so which I think is thousand kilometers across or something across the desert or something across the Nullarbor yeah. or somewhere <laughs> I so think it is maybe that'll be my, my next journey <laughs> well considering Eliza also clearly had enough energy at the end of her walk to play around like straight after with her family on the uh, Royal Aberdeen golf course Royal Aberdeen because mm. that's not uh, you walked it yeah you didn't take a buggy yeah I walked it yeah of course you did I, yeah, I yeah, included yeah. I didn't include it on my kilometres, but I said I'm not finishing this walk until I've hit that ball in the 18th, in the 18th hole. So as soon as I did that, I felt like... Did you win the round? I had a terrible round. <laughs> we won't mention that. <laughs> that does not surprise me, given what 
you've described. No. Well, I was amazed. You were in your skirt, you are in your golf shoes, hair up in the ponytail with the little sun visor and looking very impressive as you always do. <laughs> I would really like to thank you for coming in and having a chat with us. Like I said, I've known you for a long time. You've always been inspiring. I will be fascinated to watch what you do in your career as well as you move forward because these experiences must shape things in that direction for you as well so what would your dream job be at the end of all this i'm still trying to work that out i think these experiences will shape something but i'm not sure what yet i don't think that i want to be a mental health nurse nine to five for the rest of my life Mm. i would like to get into some sort of diabetes role but maybe in a different a different way and i just need to shape what i really want to do i reckon you should do a business plan and see how you shape it yourself because i suspect the job isn't there yet you may have to create it yourself yeah i think so i think in the meantime i'll try to do work with kids with diabetes things Mm. like that that i'm quite passionate about and help inspire them but Mm. we'll We'll work down, I guess, what the future will hold eventually. Oh, Kiralee, inspired to walk from here to Perth? Well, interestingly, Eliza and I did speak about that after she'd done her Melbourne trip and I was on board to do the America trip, but then, of course, lupus came along and that's me out of doing any physical yeah. activity. If it was just diabetes, absolutely, yeah. I would, because diabetes wouldn't hold me back, but unfortunately, a couple of other autoimmune disorders, yeah. lupus being one of them, mm. I mean, that's it for me for major physical activity. So don't forget that the uh, P2 chat episodes can be found on Wishka. We love Wishka. I love that word iTunes, podcasts, and Spotify. And so you can listen to them at work when you're exercising. Eliza can listen to them when she does her next walk, wherever that is, although she says she's not doing any walks for a little while. Over the weekend or at your office or while you're doing paperwork. You can subscribe, rate, and review this show while you're there. So next time, I don't think we've worked out what we're chatting about, have we, Jane? No, we've talked about biosimilars because they're a bit, yeah. bit in the market at the moment with insulin. So we might talk about that, I reckon. Yeah. I've started doing some reading to catch me up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably more over it than me. But seeing as they all came in First just of recently. Mm. Mm. So I reckon that might be a good one. Yeah, that sounds good. And otherwise, we can consider who else we're going to invite in. We do, well, we have, do have a couple of We do have a couple of other people. Visitors. Yes. Uh, Helen Edwards is coming in. Yes. You know Helen as yes, well. Yes, I know Helen. Another lady with type 1. And we've got a couple of people that are using looping as uh, management for their type 1 Yeah, we we thought we might have a little panel discussion about looping Mm. and see about that. I guess that's really all for us for now. So Thank you again, Eliza. Thank you for both for having me. And don't forget, we will be putting the donate information. It'll be going on the EdHealth website. You can donate direct at Eliza's website website which is eliza bartlett e-l-i-z-a bartlett b-a-r-t-l-e-t-t j-d-r-f walk.com and please do we want to get her to that so i'm going to be donating because i haven't yet but i will be after this me uh, too you too and so hopefully everyone out there will especially if you work in diabetes we make our income out of this so i think it's good if we can do that so that's it it's goodbye from me jane lehman and goodbye from me kiralee chambers chat, chat soon, soon.